Welcome to NORAC podcast number two. My name is Silvan Oberholzer. I'm an MA student in Development Studies at the Graduate Institute of International and Development Studies, Geneva, and NORAC Research and Communication trainee and your host for this show. In this episode, we talk to Matthew Bird and Vicente Leon about their chapter titled Within Search of a Way, Philanthropy in Education in Peru. In the NORAC book, Philanthropy in Education, Diverse Perspectives and Global Trends. This is NORAC's second book in its series on international education and development, published by Edward Elgar Publishing Limited, Cheltenham, UK. The book was launched on the 22nd of November 2019 by NORAC and the Al Kissimi Foundation in the US and the UK. It is free to download as an open access title on the NORAC website at norac.org and on elgoronline.com. You can find us on social media on Twitter at NORAC, on Facebook at norac.network. Al Kasimi Foundation can be found on Twitter at Al Kasimi Found. Matthew Bird is a professor in the graduate school at Universidad del Pacifico in Lima, Peru, and Vicente Leon is vice dean of the Faculty of Economics and Finance and a professor of finance at Universidad del Pacifico in Lima. And now on with the show. Thank you for accepting to participate in this NORIC podcast. So, Matthew, what is your chapter about and why is the analyzed topic relevant? Well, thank you, first of all, for having us on, on this podcast. Uh, our chapter, as you said, is titled A Will in Search of a Way, Philanthropy and Education in Peru. And we see Peru as an exemplary case of a middle-income country uh, where you have gotten quite a bit of wealth that has emerged in the early 21st century. And because of that, you have a situation in which they get reclassified. These countries get reclassified as middle-income or upper-middle-income countries. And because of that, you get traditionally where you had a lot of kind of overseas development assistance or aid uh, supporting these countries in the development of their health and education sectors and poverty alleviation. A lot of that, that, that wealth has been uh, transferred outside of the, of the country to, to other regions in the world. And so what we see, though, is there's also creation of wealth within Peru. Right. The problem is, is you have a, Peru, a country that's now a middle income country. However, you have a situation where you have still lower income human capital. So the big challenge is, can that wealth creation, that national wealth creation that has been created, um, supplement the loss of that overseas development assistance? And in terms of still pushing forward the, um, the educational performance of the country as it transitions into this new economic age. And what we find as uh, looking at philanthropy and education is uh, aspects that are very positive. You've got an enormous amount of new philanthropy that is emerging, new foundations, new associations. We did both qualitative and quantitative uh, 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 surveys and interviews, uh, really mapping the sector. Um, and so there's a lot of positives that come out of it. However, there's a lot of areas in which um, the foundations, the associations, uh, need to find a pathway, a pathway to scale. So in a sense, we can talk more about it later, but our book is, is trying to identify, uh, as a case of Peru, what has been happening with this transition and what are the positive um, uh, cases and what are the possible pathways for scaling these educational inter interventions uh, via strategic philanthropy. Thank you very much. So Vicente, what makes Peru an exemplary case for philanthropy in education in Latin America? 
Well, following up on what uh, Matthew said, uh, it is a very interesting case of a country having all its economic indices uh, improving significantly. For example, in the beginning of, of the 2000s, Peru was one of the top three countries in the world in terms of economic growth, GDP growth, um, uh, GDP per capita tripled in a very short period of time. So that would lead you to believe that life in Peru was much, much better with the advent of the new century. However, those economic indices need to be analyzed separately from human and development indices. And you see that Peru, for example, even though its economic data improved, uh, in terms of education, Peru did not do that well. Specifically, when you measure Peruvian students in international educational exams, they performed uh, quite badly. So the question is, does economic development equate development in all these human indices? And, and based on what we found, the answer is no. And that led us to analyze philanthropy and to see, can philanthropy fill the gap between that economic development and these human indices. Uh, I take a step back, and, and the definition that Matthew and I used in our uh, chapter was philanthropy as a way of providing a public good with private resources, private resources being philanthropy and the public good, in this case, being education. And uh, Matthew, what are some challenges related to philanthropic educational investment in Peru and our middle-income countries? Yeah, so just uh, continuing to build off of what Vicente had mentioned, um, if philanthropy is the use of, of private resources to create a public good, traditionally what you see is it's it, it, you know in Europe, for example, or in the Asian countries that so-called tiger economies that made this investment, you get an effective investment of of capital in the creation in education the creation of human capital um, however in what you the case that you have in Latin America especially but there's other regions as well is you have weak state capacity so although you're getting all this wealth created the the state itself is not investing in an efficient and effective way the resources and I would say that philanthropy can help strategically fill that gap however the same challenges of quality of investment in philanthropy and strategic investment um, are seen there as well within the philanthropic sector in Peru. What happens is you get a lot of a lot of energy. That's why we titled the chapter "A Will in Search of a Way." There's an enormous will to tackle different aspects of the educational problem or challenge in Peru. However, you get a lot of small initiatives that are dispersed throughout the country, and you don't get as much strategic alignment coordination, collaboration on the one hand in terms of to really leverage the, uh, the capital because still even in the United States or in Anglo-American countries where philanthropy is very strong, uh, you, you, it's still just a drop compared to public investment. So there could be more strategic use of the capital, the philanthropic capital, but also there could be better, um, better quality of investment, um, search for better strategic leverage, better evaluation of the impact. So it's a challenge of taking all these, like uh, letting a thousand flowers bloom, but then once they bloom, trying to find the pathway to scale. And that's, that's, that's the real challenge. And inevitably that requires going back and collaborating with the state. And following up to what Matthew said, if you notice a lot of the language that we use is, is very much language that is used in the startup world. So we are using language used in the business world, in the startup world, and 
believe that that is the way that we should analyze and interpret philanthropic interventions. In other words, get away from the more traditional way of looking at philanthropy and focusing on impact, focusing on achieving scale, focusing on evaluations. And all these, if you notice, are words that have been traditionally used in the business world, but not in the philanthropic community. And we believe that it is fundamental for the philanthropic world to adapt to that language. Yeah. And just uh, as well, that's why we we actually, this isn't in the chapter, but I think it's worth saying, that's why we have recommended a, a couple of, of interventions to try to strengthen this, philan- this emerging philanthropic ecosystem, uh, which it builds off of this uh, kind of best practice creation, sharing of information. So, for example, we've created um, um, a, 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 an index, an organizational capability index, um, for these organizations. However, uh, we've also uh, proposed and are working with other uh, colleagues in the country to create a, a, an association of, of foundations and, and philanthropies in order to better coordinate their activities. So, Vicente, talking about the future of philanthropy in education, how could this look like in uh, Latin America? Well, I mean, we've seen the the turmoil that is, the social turmoil that is happening all over the region, specifically all our neighboring countries, Ecuador, Chile, recently Colombia, have been going through a, a lot of social unrest. Um, and that sort of follows up to what I said earlier of economic indicators being positive, all these countries doing quite well, economically speaking, yet this economic, uh, these economic achievements not trickling down to the population and average citizens being dissatisfied and angry that this economic development hasn't impacted them. So we think that philanthropy can take a crucial role in achieving human development indices. Uh, The thing about philanthropy is that it can take risks. It can move faster than government. Philanthropic endeavors take the place or, or further economic development in a quicker way than the government. And that allows average citizens to benefit from that economic development in, in, in a much quicker way. We believe that there is not a better way for you to improve those human indices than via education. So that is why we believe that many of the points that we outline in our paper should be looked at and analyzed uh, very carefully by philanthropic entities. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, we have a a paradox here where philanthropy has been said where philanthropy um, is both a symptom that is searching to be to be a solution, symptom of a problem that's searching to be a solution. Right. Uh, We have this tremendous wealth um, that's been created. Um, It's not as equally distributed. Um, However, they're they're going back 100, 150 years in terms of the birth of modern philanthropy. How can one then um, in a social responsibility way take that wealth and uh, invest it in a way that creates public goods that does distribute the wealth to the larger to the larger population and create true social impact? Well, thank you, uh, Matthew and Vicente, for your insightful answers, really, which will help to frame how philanthropy in education is developing in the Latin American context. And thank you, Sylvan, for hosting the show. Um, I'm Paul Gerhardt from NORAG. 
See you next time on the NORAG podcast, uh, your podcast on global development in education policies and practice.